with the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Special guest in here, Mike Renner, our guru of all things draft and uh, everything else. He does all our college football at PFF. He does everything related to the draft, and he knows the NFL better than uh, anybody I know, with the possible exception of Eric Eager, who's in charge of R&D and everything else at uh, PFF as well. What's happening, guys? Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, week 18. It's the first week 18 in, in a long time. And uh, obviously Monday, uh, Mike gets the privilege of getting to go, but I'm, I'm looking forward to watching uh, Georgia versus Alabama. I was going to say, I'm excited for that college football national championship. First one I'm going to, I'll be there Monday in Lucas Oil. First one I've ever been to. It's going to be sensational. I, we, we'll get back to the college championship in one second. I've got to talk about my story of the day, first of all. Is it possible that we see the first ever tie at the end of the NFL regular season in our game? This is the most bizarre set of circumstances I think I've ever heard. That if the Colts lose to Jacksonville and Pittsburgh loses to Cleveland, both possible, the Colts haven't won in whatever, six, seven years down there in Jacksonville that if the Raiders and Chargers in our Sunday night game in the final game of the NFL season were to tie, both teams would go to the playoffs, right? So do I think there's any circumstances under which they both just take a knee and the over-under is one for the game? I, you know, whatever. I, is there any circumstances that that happens? No. Is there a circumstance that at the end of the game – and at the end of overtime, somebody has the ball and decides to take a couple of knees to run out the clock so that the game ends in a tie. Yes, I do think that's a possibility. So where on that sliding scale in between is also a possibility that could happen and that those two coaches kind of wink at each other and go, you know, we could both go to the playoffs here it's a it's an it's probably never going to get anywhere close to this but it is weird i mean who would have ever anticipated this was possible well i think if you've watched the history of hockey you sort of know that this is like how folks act right like uh i think it's michael lopez who the director of data and analytics at the nfl when he was an academic he did like a study about hockey and how you know when a team you know, as the season progresses, teams got less and less aggressive in the third period of hockey games because if you got to overtime, both teams got a point in the standings, right? And, like, this is kind of the souped-up version of that, but I could totally see it happening. And not, not, not to what you're saying, which is that, like, teams just take a knee the whole time, but to the, to the whole, like, this game's going to be a lot less aggressive. Like, I think if you're a betting person, this under on this game is 49 and a half. Like, I think you have to take under on this game just because, you know, it, it's, it might not be taking knees the whole game, but it's going to be far less aggressive. I just wish there was kind of a background between Red and Salem and Riz Pisaccia where, like, they were friends or there was maybe, like, maybe it was, like, Belichick and a disciple as the head coaches. So there could be some, like, gamesmanship or pre you know pre-game sort of talk about hey you know maybe we tie if it's close at the end something like that but they obviously don't have a history together there's no reason for them to just roll over either of them in this game so i don't think we end up seeing i think even if it is close in overtime if that does end up happening i think both teams are going to be playing to the end 
Chris, I how much be- are you going to be sweating this out, though? I mean, it's a two, 2.9% chance that I give it using our tool at PFF Greenline, PFF.com, get yourself an elite subscription. Uh, 9% chance the Jaguars win against the Colts. A 33% chance, more or less, that the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, take down the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. So that's about, a, if you multiply those together, about a 3% chance that you're facing that situation on Sunday night. Al and I are going to be drinking all weekend, just worried to death about this whole situation. It'll be, uh, it'll be, I mean, I don't care, but it is one of those loopholes that you begin to go, you know, you know how sports are sometimes until you start playing and you have no idea what could end up happening out of that. Um, but it, that's, it was an amazing thing to wake up to this morning, trying to figure out how is that possible? How are we going to do that again? So the craziness of this, uh, NFL season shall continue here. And how about the Philadelphia Eagles as well? Philadelphia Eagles were sort of counted as dead. We did the last game last year and, you know, there was okay they put in their backup quarterback coach gets fired all that kind of stuff they start slowly they're throwing the ball too much and they turn their whole season around and they're in the playoffs now yeah it shows sort of the value that you get out of nowhere when a rookie deal quarterback hits right like Jalen Hurts I don't think I mean Mike where did we have Jalen Hurts we had him sort of like in the like 50s. 30s right yeah yeah 40s 50s yeah something like that yeah like and and i don't think anybody after watching him last year i mean chris you got him in week 17 last year for half a game and that was also an example of a team where you didn't quite you know know what was going to happen at the end when they sort of tanked at the end there but like we watched him for four games and he was okay but not necessarily going to assuage any, you know, uh, I would say concerns about the team going in this year. Their win total was six and a half in the met, in the betting markets going in. There was a lot of people, myself included, that bet under that and, and bet at least a little bit on the idea that they could be the worst team in the NFL. Now, they've gotten an easy schedule, and I also think Jalen Hurts has really emerged. But now that team, three first-round picks coming up in the in the draft – that team's got a shot to be an NFC contender for a few years now. And what? Yeah, and I also think it. I was going to say, I think it also speaks to the fact that you don't need to be that good to provide a ton of value at the quarterback position. Like Jalen Hurts, no one's arguing he's top ten. I don't even think anyone's arguing he's top twelve to fifteen at this point, quarterback in the NFL. But just average, competent quarterback play when you don't have to pay that guy any you know a couple only a couple million dollars a year is so valuable because then that's 30 million dollars that everyone else is spending around the nfl that you get to use to actually put good players at other positions on this roster you know the other part of that was watching the game last year where he got benched in the third quarter you could or whatever it was fourth quarter you could see the fight in that team like that team wanted to finish that game and, and in part because Jalen Hurts was playing his guts out out there. And then they took him out, and you could almost feel the sort of looking around like, what the heck just happened out here? And But I do think he sort of commands that kind of respect. You know, he's a powerlifting champion. He, You know, he, he can complete a ball. I think your guys' numbers were exactly that coming out of college, that he was very accurate. Um, so now the question is going to come up. Do they use one of those three picks on a quarterback? 
which is kind of the same situation that they were in with Carson Wentz, and then they got a second-round quarterback. You know, the whole thing's crazy. This whole year is just, just, just crazy. But nothing crazier than the Cincinnati Bengals knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs. And, Eric, I understand that you were at the stadium when that game was played. Give me some feel for the vibe of the end of that game. It was crazy. Like, first half, and you watched the game, you know, they, they, they were down by two scores twice. And you could sense that Bengals fans, and they were all fun. They were, you know, they were very much like, uh, you know, we know that the Chiefs are, you know, you know, AFC champion and all that kind of stuff. And then once it started, the gears started to turn a little bit. You could tell that, like, they were starting to have some fun and they were starting to sort of believe that they had a chance to win the game. And I got to say, like, once uh, I had to leave to do the Steve Kornacki stuff at the office, like, right out, you know, so I had to leave maybe a little bit earlier than I wanted to. But it was like right when they had that last penalty on the fourth down and I was like, oh, they're going to be able to kneel it out and kick a field goal. I got out and left and I was sitting outside the stadium walking to go get like a bike. And when that field goal went in, you could hear it like three blocks away. It was, it was really crazy. And I think, you know, that it, it's so much fun, right? Because you now look at this team and what Mike said is true about Jalen Hurts. Like it doesn't take that much when the guy is on a rookie deal for you to like get tremendous value out of that position. But then when you have him like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins all on rookie deals and they're among the best in the league at their position like this Bengals team is going to be here for a while and and they're going to be a pesk for a long time um in you know in the sides of teams like uh, buffalo and baltimore and kansas city um and and you know you saw it with burrow once once the Bengals put the the ball in burrow's hands the last two weeks you know i don't think that there was there's been a player that's played better so i I was going to say, I said it before the game, actually. I said that the Bengals, I thought, were going to win because we had Joe Burrow. He was the number one graded quarterback. I just don't think that people had were giving him the respect. Like, if you had watched him play all season long, it wasn't too much different than what we saw in that Chiefs game. It's just he hadn't done it against – he hadn't had that stage against an elite quarterback on the other side where everyone was watching him do it. And if you go back to what he was at LSU – in all those situations, he rose to the occasion. He was always at his best in the biggest games. And so, to me, prior to that game, I was like, Joe Burrow's going to come in and play his best game of the season or close to it because that's just who he is and that's who he's been all season long. People just haven't ca- caught up yet, and I think people are finally catching up. Uh, Joe Burrow was great, and I'm not going to take anything away from him. Jamar Chase was greater. I, I, what he did in that game, the, the first catch and run, it's 14 nothing, and he makes this catch and run for a touchdown that was was sick. But the play on third and 27 and some of those catches he made in just one-on-one situations, is he going to, when we get to the playoffs, is he going to start getting the Tyreek Hill treatment? Is he going to start getting the, forget everything else, we've got to play some umbrella coverage against these lunatics because if we make their offensive line block our guys all day, I feel pretty good about that. If we just have to stop the run with seven in the box, okay, I, you know, we're not going to get beat with that or our offense can score some points. But you cannot let those guys run wild down the middle of your secondary like that. It was stunning to watch. I mean, it was just – I've seen some great performances in huge moments 
uh, by wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald comes to mind in the Super Bowl that they lost down there. But that was about as good as I've seen. Yeah, I think the Jamar Chase, by the way, is the sixth most valuable wide receiver in the NFL this year. He just passed Tyreek Hill, you know, to your point, Chris. And, you know, he had that stretch of games, right? Like from the Baltimore game where he had over 200 yards to the next Baltimore game, he didn't have a 100-yard game. And then obviously the last two weeks he's been great. And I think that that was always the the promise of having – a wide receiver picked at five instead of a left tackle. Like Panay Sewell's been wonderful this year, but sometimes to get into that upper echelon of the NFL, you need the variance, right? It was sort of like when Randy Moss came into the league. The Vikings were nine and seven for like five straight years, and then he comes in the league and boom, they're fifteen and one. The 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 Bengals were like even worse. They were like sort of four and twelve, you know, five and eleven, stuff like that. And they need a Jamar Chase not just to like save Zach Taylor's job or to get that team to eight wins to win a division and to beat a Chiefs team. Because now after beating the Chiefs, like does anybody doubt that the Bengals can beat any other team in the AFC? Uh, you know, like it's that kind of playmaking at that position that just changes the course of a franchise. And it's kind of how they all pair together. You know, like that's why the whole thing is like Jamar Chase – you can debate the Jamar Chase versus wide receiver versus tackle all you want, but Jamar Chase played with Joe Burrow at LSU. They had a connection. We know that that's so big at that position. And not only did they have a connection, it was at the most valuable sort of place you could have a connection, go balls. Like they were the best go ball tandem, uh, you know, maybe in college football history with what they were doing in 2019 at LSU. And now he comes to San Bengals. And like I said, Chris, you might have to put a safety over in the playoffs because what they can do on those vertical routes is just game-changing. And we've seen them have the most explosive touchdowns of any team in the league because those two players, it's not because the offensive line, not because the scheme, it's because you have two of the most talented players at two most two very valuable positions. And it killed Kansas City. I mean, if Kansas City now loses that number one seed, which, you know, at least for right now, they have to Tennessee – uh, that's a that's a brutal gut shot. That means no week off. That means you've got to win three games to get to the Super Bowl. That means a lot of different stuff. That means if you play Tennessee, you play them in Tennessee instead of at Kansas City. So it was a real gut punch for Kansas City at the end of that game. Yeah, the Chiefs this year so far have lost to the team that's going to win the AFC North, the team that's going to win the AFC East, and the team that's going to win the AFC South. Um, you know, I think when you look at that team, they're, they're the favorites in the AFC, they're five to one to win the Super Bowl. Only the Packers have better odds, but it's not inevitable the same way it, it felt the last, you know, last year specifically when they were 14 and one at this time. And, and, and I think that, you know, that game exploited some things with them, right? Like they, their defense went into the game, I think sixth in points allowed. Now they're 13th. They had turned it around from an early season swoon. Well, all that stuff came back on Sunday. They went like three straight weeks having dropped one ball and, you know, Patrick Mahomes not producing turnover worthy plays to him producing two of them and them dropping key passes in key spots uh, on Sunday. So it was a wake up call, I think, for a Chiefs team on an eight game winning streak um, that, you know, it could go either way for them. But I certainly think that in the AFC now, the Titans getting that one seed. I mean, Derrick Henry coming back, A.J. Brown getting a week off, Julio Jones, you know, really, I think probably, you know, needing that time off. A bunch of injuries on that team. Mike Vrabel doing a great job this year. Like, I think they 
probably benefit from the one seed more than anybody in that conference. And, and I'll say this about the Chiefs, and uh, Eric spoke to it a little bit. This offense is different. Now they've, they've figured out in recent weeks to be uh, to sort of exploit those two high looks a little bit better, but it does limit them from that kind of peak that was the unstoppable force that when they got a 28-14 lead in the past, they just poured it on to 40, 50 points. They weren't, they weren't scoring three points the rest of the game like they did against the Bengals in the second half. Like it was when you couldn't stop this Chiefs offense, you couldn't stop them all game long and it didn't matter. That we've seen come and go. And I think it's because there is kind of a blueprint that teams are using against the Chiefs. And yeah, they, they've had better options for it, like I said, of late, but it's still not to the level of juggernaut that it was basically they could run through the AFC on the backs of that alone. Okay, so if you're Antonio Brown and you decide to take your clothes off and walk across the field and leave the stadium and give up your career, okay, that's one thing. But he didn't calculate in. He still had to get in there and take a shower and get his clothes on. <laughs> you know the door is locked. There's no way they're leaving that thing open. I, and, and the serious question out of the whole thing is, did that moment cost the Bucks? a chance to repeat a Super Bowl champion. Chris Godwin's already out. We saw Antonio Brown, what he did in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl a, a season ago. Is, is that bit of craziness eliminate Tampa now? Are we, I, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I look at them completely differently. And is there any chance that with Gallup out for Dallas that they would sign him? Think about, it. I mean, if you're, if nothing else, you sign him and he knows the team that you may have to play in the championship game or in the playoffs at some point inside. Now, I, I mean, the, this whole weekend was like so bizarre for me. I feel like I'm like in an alternative universe here or something. Well, that, that's the thing though, Chris, they, they haven't cut him. The Bucks have not cut him yet. They said he's not on the team, but he has not been cut. They're not going to release him. They're going to keep them as a non-rostered whatever because they don't want the Cowboys sign them. They don't want the Packers sign them. They don't want teams that are going to play in the playoffs to get this guy down the stretch. Or they're, I could see them realizing, hey, we're not going to make it through the NFC without Chris Godwin. With all the injuries we have, they might limp into the wild card round, or I guess the I guess it's still called the wild card round, the wild card round without Levante David, without Shaq Barrett, without Mike Evans. That At that point – they're susceptible. They, you know, they are not the Bucks that won the Super Bowl last year. They are a completely different team, even with Tom Brady at quarterback, and could lose to one of these teams in the NFC. Like as we just saw to the Jets, they almost lost last week. So, yeah, I could see a, I could see them reuniting. To be honest, I don't think he plays anywhere else. Yeah, the the interesting thing there, and we have the Patriots about plus nine hundred to make the Super Bowl. That's exactly where the betting. Sorry, not the Patriots. The the Bucks at nine to one to win the Super Bowl, which is exactly where the betting markets have them, which is lower than they started the season. They started the season at seven to one, so things have gotten worse for them, which they normally use. They usually get better for a team as it goes on. Um, the the thing that I'll I'll push back a little bit on this idea that all is lost. And again, I'm. I'm sort of looking at the totality of Brady's career. Like I remember them in 2018, the last time Brady with the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and they walked into Arrowhead, and you know they had Gronk still, they had Edelman, right? But then they also threw Chris Hogan at you, they threw Philip Dorsett at you, they threw guys like that, and so I I do think that the 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 shock of it 
sucks, right? And that's how you can almost lose to a Jets team when it happens. But I think if you give Tom Brady runway and say, look, okay, get through this Carolina game Sunday, um, you know, week one of the playoffs, you're at home. Uh, you're probably, you know, the, the NFC teams after the division winners aren't very good. So mm-hmm. get, get Saints, get, though. Saints is going to be their most likely opponent is the problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, yeah. So, and I, and I agree, like the Saints match up well against them. But the the thing is, is like, I do think if you give Brady runway, he's probably going to be okay. Um, but the NFC has a bunch of really elite teams, right? Would you make the Bucks favorites against the Dallas Cowboys, the, New, the Green Bay Packers, the Rams, or the Cardinals right now? I don't know. We've hit the final week of the pro football regular season, and college football is heading into the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time of the football calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game. And if they do, then you win $200 in free bets. What a deal that is. So let's wind down the season with a big win, and uh, you know just how to do it. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still find your way to the winner's circle. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any football team, college or pro, and win $200 in free bets if they are victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Would you like a chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. That's right. Would you like to know what it's like to work with Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football? I can certainly tell you about that. Or how about a need to know for your financial future? I have some experts from Washington Southern that would be happy to help you with that. Now you can ask about either or both, whatever you want. Every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. We know what that is. PFF will throw a party worth up to $2,500 for the big game in February for up to 25 guests. How about that? And the winner can choose whatever food you want, and we're going to go get it. This week's question comes from Lance in Minnesota with the draft around the corner eventually. Tell us about the day the Cincinnati Bengals picked you. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a great day. So I thought there was a chance I was going to go number 10 overall and the Bengals first pick. Instead, they took another receiver, David Verser, and with the 10th pick overall. So my agent said... Uh, it's no big deal. I'm so glad you're not going to Cincinnati. They're a cheap organization. They're this, they're that. He's trying to soften the blow a little bit. Okay. Well, it just so happened my mom and dad were in the room with me as well while he was saying all that. So now the draft goes on and now, you know, I'm, my story is very similar to a lot of people. You start getting upset that you're not picked by this team that said they were going to pick you or that team that said they were going to pick you. And so, but I'm sort of on pins and needles the rest of the day. That was until the Cincinnati Bengals second pick came around. 
and because they already took a receiver. So I knew they weren't going to take me. I relax. They come on television. They say, with the second, <laughs> with the second pick for the Cincinnati Bengals, they draft wide receiver Chris Collinsworth. Okay, I'm happy to be picked. I'm not too happy to be going where there's another receiver and Isaac Curtis and Steve Kreider and a lot of other good receivers, but what the heck. With this, my mom picks up her stuff and goes back to the back bedroom and is crying because my agent had told her what a horrible place to live and work and breathe and whatever that the city of Cincinnati was. And so I am taking it on all ends of this thing. Somehow, some way it all worked out wonderfully. Met my lovely wife, Holly in Cincinnati. We have four great kids, two grandkids happily ever after. So there you go. You can submit all your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. And one more time, westernsouthern.com slash ask Chris. And if you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Right now, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code Collinsworth. That's right. Grades and data are live for every single player who logged a single snap last week. And what can you get with a PFF subscription? Well, all the PFF's locked article content, of course, and PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, NFL Green Line, which is having a fantastic year, up 27 units this season. College Green Line is up 32 units this season, so good people to listen to. And zero to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team. The player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop, which everybody loves those bets and so much more. So support the podcast. Help me pay for all these fine young people who are uh, a part of it and use promo code Collinsworth for 25% off any sub. Who's your favorite team coming out of the NFC? Who has the best shot? of knocking these guys off the Rams. I, I, they're the two seed as of right now, uh, the bucks, they did it last year, but we just talked about their issues. The Cowboys now without Gallup and playing in the cold weather. I mean, it, it's hard to make a case that somebody is really right there with the Packers at this point, like you can in the AFC where it's completely wide open. Yeah, our numbers make Tampa Bay the second most likely at, you know, basically, you know, I think it's 23% uh, maybe yeah, going in. And I think that that's, you know, we're giving a lot of respect to Brady, giving a lot of respect, um, you know, to that team there. Um, but after that, I mean, I would have told you going into last week, I would have said the Dallas Cowboys. I think, you know, their defense, Mike, Mike has written about this a lot, but it's like their defense has a lot of really good pieces. I think Dan Quinn's doing a great job. Dak Prescott sort of kind of had a season kind of like Mahomes where it's been kind of good at the very good at the beginning, lull you to sleep during the middle. And then he's had some good games recently, including the game you had against Washington. But then they lay an egg this last week at home against the Cardinals. So, like, it, it is a season full. I mean, the Packers are really the only team in the NFL this year where they haven't had other than week one. And I guess maybe that's it. Like, their bad game was week one. But, like, they've never had a game where you're like, okay, I'm all in on Green Bay. And then they lay a complete egg. Whereas we've gotten that for basically every team in the NFL so far this year. I would be most worried about the Dallas Cowboys, though. That with the boxes banged up as they are, 
it's the complete opposite Bucks team of what we saw last year where they're just getting healthy. Vitavea coming back pretty much healthy across the board. Cowboys, to me, match up the best with the Packers in that they can run the football. They will be able to, you know, we saw it with the Browns game. How do you move the ball in this Packers defense? Get them out of those light boxes, run it down their throats. They can do that. They have the offensive line to do that. And then they can expose this hodgepodge mismatch offensive line for the Green Bay Packers that has four backups right now. Maybe get Dave Bakhtiari back. Maybe you get Billy Turner back, but Dave Bakhtiari is going to be just thrown to the fire his first game. You throw in Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and Micah Parsons against this offensive line full of backups. That could spell disaster. And yeah, it wouldn't be until most likely until the uh, championship game that that would be the case. But that would scare me. It's the team that would scare me the most coming into Lambeau and beating the Packers. They certainly have the the most skill players if you will on the defensive side but they also yeah. still give up some long passes we <laughs> we have seen digs on the back end make some great plays and we've seen him give up a few as well so craziness craziness i can't wait to to watch it and see where we go from here um oh by the way we only have the national championship going on in college football right now and i think it's pretty clear at this point right there were two teams in college football this season and really uh, a lot of afterthoughts after that, after you watch the cha- the semifinals. I don't know. Cincy held their own. I, I, I thought Cincy looked like they belonged far more than Michigan belonged. They just shot themselves in the foot offensively. They, they did nothing creative to try to move the ball, but you have to say that they limited Alabama about as well as, you know, anyone outside, maybe Auburn did, uh, but that was some injuries on Alabama's offense in that game. Um, so I, I thought, I thought since he on a different day that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a day that exists where since he could have beaten Alabama, I'll just say. Yeah, I agree. As somebody who, and I, you know, had a, a bet on the show that Mike and I host uh, the um, P, uh, PFF NFL or college live show, uh, which is 11 AM every Friday during the college season. Um, you know, I, I thought that Bama was more than good enough to cover that spread and I'll tell you, when I watched that game, I think I was probably on the wrong side of it, even though it did end up being a 21-point game. I think, you know, Cincinnati's defense was up to the task. And especially with Alabama, you know, not having their receivers, uh, with John Me- you know, Mechie being out, like, they, they suffocated them, and they made them play a little bit left-handed. It was far easier for... Alabama to score against Georgia in the SEC title game than it was to score against Cincinnati. The The issue was, and I, and I wonder what Mike's opinion is on this because he's a prospect that some people are split on. It just looked like the game was too fast for Desmond Ritter. And that, that I think is where kind of the whole issue of power five versus non-power five was. Desmond Ritter had four passes batted down the whole season before uh, Friday's game and then in that game against Alabama the throwing lanes were just closing so much more quickly than, than he was used to and I think that, that exacerbated a lot uh, I think since his defense was as advertised yeah I think Ritter came into that game knowing he just wasn't going to have time and so like you just saw him play faster try to do things faster than he normally does and he doesn't have a quick necessarily quick release so he's kind of with those bad passes he's telegraphing where he wants to go with his eyes before the snap on like those RPOs and stuff and just D lineman getting in the throwing lanes. Cause he's got that long, elongated release. Uh, it didn't totally surprise me with that. I, I thought going into the game, the sheer depth of Alabama was going to expose any partial weakness that Cincinnati had, you know, it was just like, 
whoever it was, in some cases it was the right tackle, in some cases it was the guard, whatever it was, it was going to get exposed with an All-American sitting right on his nose, and, and that sort of happened. The thing that I was surprised with is I didn't think Bryce Young looked very good. I, I mean, I, I understand the coverage was there, and he was missing receivers, and I didn't think his arm strength looked great. I didn't think his, uh, you know, decision made. I thought he got rattled in that game, and we're kind of lucky to come out of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, for sure. And and I thought that the biggest one of the things, and and Chris, you're gonna have to document this because it, it's a rare occasion. But like, I thought Alabama just should have kept running the ball. Like, what were they doing? They were more yeah. physically <laughs> more physically imposing. Um, and, and it just looked like Bill O'Brien got bored and like decided he needed to throw. But like, they were just physically manhandling them. And I, again, I think this is one of the differences between college football and the NFL, where in the NFL, you don't have these disparities in size and physicality that you do in the N in NCAA, where like Alabama's guys are just bigger, faster, and stronger, right? So then they should just be able to manhandle them. And it felt like Bill O'Brien opened the door for Cincinnati to have a chance by calling the bad plays, unfortunately. Yeah, you flip this in the SEC championship game, we're not talking about Bryce Young Heisman, you know? We're we're talking about probably Kenny Pickett as a Heisman winner right now. Yeah, the the other thing that it's always a great lesson for me anyway is the significance of cornerbacks in football. That when and Cincinnati has two. I mean, they really do. They've got two that can maybe three. I don't know the other kid that well, but um yeah, I think Sauce is going to end up being if not the first pick from the cornerback class pretty close to that and he declared today right i mean that yep. was uh, he declared uh for the thing so i i, I really i don't know I, now we've got to flip it to the championship game though and we saw alabama throw it all over the yard um in the first matchup against georgia in the sec title game so now you're georgia and you get a chance to sit back right look at that thing and go, you know what? If we don't give up one over the top here, you know, if we don't give up those home run balls again this time, even if we're only playing with six or seven in the box, those six or seven are trained killers up there, and we can compete with them up front. But we cannot give them the freebies that we gave them last time. Your thoughts on how this game will be different than the first one? I think it's so valuable, or I guess so game-changing, the fact that John Mechie's not playing in this game because the receiver. in that game, yeah, the receiver for Alabama, so John Mechie's here for Alabama, him and Jamison Williams, like that was their passing offense. Those guys, both over 1,000 yards this year, those were their big plays. Both are both have Jamison Williams' elite speed, Mechie good enough speed. They both can get open deep. And I think that was the biggest thing in the first matchup is George is throwing out two corners in Keeley Ringo and Deion Kendrick that are like four or five, four, six guys, they are not speedsters. So you can't leave them one-on-one, -on -one. but now with only really Williams to worry about, you can put a safety over the top of Williams all day. You can, you know, have guys leaned over to help whatever cornerback that is on James Williams without worrying about that other guy on the other side of the field getting burned deep. Whereas in the first matchup, you really couldn't do that. And we saw them get open deep at will. So I think that's the biggest thing that I think really swings back in Georgia's favor here. And why maybe you know Alabama's offense looked pedestrian against Cincinnati is without that second option. You know, Jameson Williams is really only that one-trick deep guy, whereas Mechie was the move the sticks, 
underneath much more so than Jameson Williams. So I think you could see the Alabama passing offense not having near the success this week. Yeah, I, I when I look at this game, I think, you know, the, the the success that Alabama had is sort of that down payment, which is running the football, is just not going to be there against Georgia, right? Like, they're going to have to hit big plays. They're going to have to increase the variance. And I, you know, it's very similar. This sounds weird, but, like, I think Alabama does have to play like an underdog in this one, and they are three-point underdogs uh, in this game in Indianapolis. They have to they have to be willing to lose by by multiple scores. And what I mean by that is they have to be aggressive and go down the field because I don't think that they're going to be able to cross the street on the way to the end zone 10 times against Georgia. We saw it against Michigan, like and Michigan's nowhere close to as good as Alabama, but you saw it where it's like Michigan could get a big play. Michigan could get a 10 yard play, but like to get consistent plays against Georgia is almost impossible. And so you have to get big plays so that you can just put seven on the board and, you know, get back to the huddle and, and rest up and give your defense a chance to, I think, go after a Georgia offense, which, Mike, would you agree with me? Like, I don't think the Georgia offense is going to be what wins them this game, even though they have talent there. I think that's really the the sort of nuanced discussion that people aren't willing to have about Georgia is that, like, they're not as good as Alabama offensively, but they're good enough to kill bad teams with their offense. So that that's kind of where I see the game turning is whether or not Alabama – can can hold you know Georgia to the type of point total they held Cincinnati to. It's it's going to be a very interesting day of college football. I I think it it actually makes this game much like Kansas City not being the number one seed in the AFC makes the whole playoff and the whole games that are forthcoming much more interesting if you'd had green bay as the one seed home field kansas city is the one seed home field with a win over cincinnati like what okay i got it we're gonna watch anyway but it's it's not that compelling with kansas city is the two seed and with the fact that alabama beat georgia the first time around these games become really interesting in my mind yeah that that loss by the chiefs took so that we we do these stuff for the 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 Kornacki, the football night in America stuff, and the Chiefs versus the Packers, which would have been a, a rematch of Super Bowl one, is was like a twelve or thirteen percent chance going into the the week. It's now nine percent, and it's still the most likely Super Bowl matchup. But as you as you said, like that game knocked it down a peg, and now you know the possibilities I think are endless for who can face whom in the Super Bowl. Mike, would you take uh, Georgia in this one? I'm taking Georgia. I honestly, they their defense, that front seven, is unlike any front seven I've seen in what they're capable of. Not necessarily rushing the passer, but just unstoppable force in the run game and some of the stuff they could do blitzing their linebackers. That fool them once, fool Kirby Smart once, sure. I don't think you're getting the best of them twice. I just don't see that with how much talent they have. They'll be able to match up. I, I could see, I keep I keep picturing Belichick in this thing that sort of two gap some of those big defensive linemen and just go, guys, just don't let them, don't, you, you, got, you got a little responsibility on both sides. Don't worry about getting pressure on the quarterback. Let's go double over the top of the one receiver that they have. You don't even have to put your best corner on them. And then we'll just play the rest of these guys with what we have. So don't let them run it down our throat. We're going to be light in the box. We're going to take away their one receiver. And good luck. Let's see what you guys got. You know, I, 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 do you see it? How do you see it? 
Yeah, I think that's the game plan. I, I think they do a little, bit, a little bit more to get pressure on Bryce Young because I think they were content to kind of just play run first and thought their secondary would hold up. I think they bring a little bit more blitz, bring a little bit more of the house to really force the issue on Bryce Young in this game. Eric, what do you think? Give me a pick. Uh, I, I still am going to take the points with Alabama. I, they're, they're getting almost the full – I think they're getting the full three now. Total on the game, 52.5, which is sort of – you can see exactly where the markets are looking at. They're, they think that Georgia is going to be able to control this game because of the total being that low. Um, so, you know, if, if you like Alabama – bet a little bit of over, bet a little bit of plus three. If you like Georgia, I, I think you have to take the under as well because I think that that's the kind of game that Georgia's going to want to play if they're going to win a game like this. It's going to be interesting. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. This is uh, – we're on to the uh, really fun part of uh, the year for me when everything sort of comes to a head. And if this NFL season holds up the way that it has to this point in the year – uh, we could see the Bengals win the Super Bowl for all I know. I, I have uh, the 49ers. I have no idea how this thing is going to play out because every time this year I felt like I had a handle on a team or a situation, it has just gone the other way. So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, I think I think it'll be fun. And I think just like college football, you know, there was it was a long route to get there, but it ended up being Georgia-Bama. Um I, it, it might be a long route to get there, but I still think the favorite's going to be Packers Chiefs. But at the same time, uh, anything else would be a lot of fun, including your Bengals, Chris. Uh, it, I think I, I don't think there's been a more fun player to watch in the NFL this year than Joe Burrow. Yeah, the AFC playoffs this year is going to be just the way it is seated. It's going to be one of the most open sort of conferences in some time in that you like – Eric said, you can convince me the playoffs get the the Bengals get through. You can convince me the Colts get all the way through. There's a lot of teams where it's just, you can convince me the Chargers get all the way through with Justin Herbert and how he's played. There's just a lot of teams that, I mean, three games, they could be playing for Super Bowl. It'll be wild. Guys, we shall see you next week. And uh, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. For sure. Thanks, Chris.